ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor podcast and to a brand new year here in 2021. The Salty Pastor is here so that you can chart your own course through the shallow waters of our culture. Knowledge, faith, and a deeper understanding of the Bible and all of that is waiting for you so that you won't feel like a victim, confused and upside down as the world continues its pursuits to find value in a life without God. And we can't do any of that with our very own without our very own salty pastor, Pastor Douglas Peak. Welcome, Dr. Peak. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good, doing good. You know, uh, on Tuesday, you know, we told everybody that uh, I tested positive for COVID and it went through my whole family. All, all of my uh, children are all fine and doing great. It didn't bother them at all. Uh, Kim and I got it pretty bad, but uh, I'd say I'm, you know, 85, 90% raring to go, uh, ready to get out of quarantine. I just want to make sure I'm being <laughs> safe for everybody else around me, you know, especially uh, folks at the church. So, but uh, doing really good and just trying to catch up on some read going uh, well from my standpoint regarding uh, this illness. And we just are so happy that the Lord is faithful and uh kim is doing much better the uh elders uh, did a zoom laying on of hands and anointed her with oil and prayed over her so awesome. very, uh yeah pr very proud of our elders they're just doing all they can in every way they can to shepherd the people and love the people at foothills so the people at foothills are really really blessed with a, a great group of men who are leading them as elders and shepherding them so uh i'm doing well uh, Kim is getting better and better. Kids are great. And we're looking forward to what the Lord wants to do through Foothills Christian Church and the Salty Pastor in 2021. Well, and we're going to all continue praying for you and your family. Obviously, um, you are on the med, and, but we do want to continue praying for you to continue that trajectory. Um, and uh, we were joking during the staff meeting the other day that because you've been in quarantine, you're going to come back with about 5,000 ideas of things you want to do. So we're all preparing emotionally, um, physically for the mad sprint that's going to happen once you return into the office. So uh, we're prepared. You're getting prepared. It's just going to be ready to go. And we're excited to see what we have to do here in 2021. So <laughs> there you go. Well, I'll try to be good. I pr I'll try not to light too many fires. That's all right. We're pretty, we're pretty uh, quick on our feet. So we'll, we'll adapt. It's all right. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's move on to the, the podcast. So on Tuesday, we discussed how Paul rebukes um, Peter for acting in a way contrary to the point of the gospel. And this is in the second half of the second chapter of Galatians, right? Yes, yes. Uh, and I think one of the things it's interesting there is he said, when I noticed, it's a very important phrase, when I noticed that Peter was acting um, in a way that was contrary to the truth of the gospel. I then, he says, I then said to Cephas, which is Peter, in front of all of them. Now, it's really important because I want to, I just want to clarify a couple things before I kind of talk about the implications here. And that is, is that now, Paul is writing to the Galatians. He's actually talking about this situation with Peter that happened in the city of Antioch, which is 
pretty far south and it's down on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It's a lot closer to Jerusalem. And that's how he was able to go back and forth with Peter so much because Peter didn't really travel up into the Galatia region. But that, that principle right there is very, very important because every person needs to have a compass, something that points to true north, something that guides us as we navigate the times that we live in. You know, right now, we're seeing a tremendous amount of political upheaval. Mm -hmm. There is uh, uh, this transition of power from the Trump administration, which is the executive branch of our government, to uh, president-elect Biden. And he will be inaugurated, today is the 13th, and he's gonna be inaugurated as the president on the 20th. And so in seven days is when the, the actual baton is, is, is legally passed, passed right. yeah, from one to another. There's a lot of political upheaval. The election was very contentious. The pandemic made it worse. And uh, there's a lot of questions about the veracity of it. And I, I think it's really important to understand, though, that these uh, conflicts and this turmoil, the, we saw last week a, a riot in the Capitol that was very similar to the riots that we saw in other major cities uh, at the beginning of the summer. And whenever these riots occur, it's, it's just horrific, you know, um, the thing that really uh, concerns me the most or is always highlighted to me personally is law enforcement. You know, law enforcement is tasked and then law enforcement is injured. There was a, a police officer, I believe, in the uh, that was killed because of. Yeah, the a Capitol police officer died over it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's that's just horrible. I mean, it, it's one thing that you have all these anarchists who who go and riot and 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 burn things and destroy things and then the people that we task with protecting us and they sign up for this then they're injured or they lose their life as a sacrifice that that just is what pains me the most absolutely because um, i really want to protect and defend the noble thing that our law enforcement does in these regards and so uh, the demonization of our armed forces, of the police, uh, is something that every American should denounce. Uh, it doesn't matter what political persuasion a person has. If, if they're trying to blame the police, if they're trying to uh, undermine the police, all that's going to do is allow these anarchists more power. And Absolutely. And so we really need, as all Americans, to stand against that and stand for uh, law and order because political violence in any way, shape, or form is detrimental. And how do we know this? How, how, how can we take this stand? Well, it's not a political stand. It's not a conservative or a liberal stand, a political ideology stand. It's a stand that we can take because we have a compass, and that compass is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a true north that guides us as we navigate through the times in which we live. And 
here's why it is so significant for us to have the right compass you see and that is is that ultimate truth the ultimate reality should be the thing that guides your life you don't want to pick a lesser reality or a lesser truth you want to pick the ultimate reality the ultimate truth is there a god who is god and who are you as a creation interacting with god these are really big questions that are extremely important that for us to to answer and that's why knowing the bible and studying the bible is such an important step because it talks about the ultimate reality who is god does he want to know us and how do we know him and that's what paul is rebuking peter for he's saying look peter you didn't understand or or uh, let me put it this way peter you understand the ultimate reality but your everyday life is manifesting the antithesis of this reality and it's important to understand you can't live uh, with two things that contradict one another in your own life because that not only creates a it will undermine the strength ultimate reality or ultimate truth is critically important this is why since the beginning of this when we were analyzing society we were talking about the frankfurt school of social theory and how that has morphed in our universities to critical race theory and how this ideology is contrary to the gospel uh you can go back and listen to the podcasts on why that is uh, this is why it's easy for us to say all political violence is contrary to the gospel of Christ. It's why society's desire to create a cultural hegemony and control what people think is contrary to the gospel. When you remove people's freedom to choose, it is a violation of the gospel. We've talked about this, the doctrine of non-coercion. And so picking the right compass, understanding the gospel is the ultimate reality and guide of our lives is what's going to help us navigate all of these things that are going on. Well, and I like that. Um, I mean, it's interesting because Paul saw Peter fail, uh, falling into like a behavior that contradicted the essence of what the gospel was really talking about. He then rebukes him with gospel, which is what you're saying, is we have to have that um, gospel truth, that compass to really um, base these things on. It's not just an opinion. It's not a, it's not a political side. He was saying, here is the truth. Here's our compass. This is what we're using for uh, what, how you should be living your life. What exactly was um, Paul rebuking Peter for, and how does this apply to us today in our current environment? Well, if you, if you read a little bit more into the text, what Paul does in Antioch is there was this position, right? And the position was, well, when you say that we are justified through 
by grace through faith in that we are freed from the law, you're creating lawlessness. In other words, what the Judaizers taught is that, well, if you're rebuking, if you're refusing or rebuking the law, then people are just going to accept Jesus on the basis of faith and then do whatever they want. Right. And so Paul refutes that. He says, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not um, justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put works of the law, okay, our faith in Christ. He says, because of the works of the law, by, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. And what he's saying there is just because we reject the law as the thing that justifies us is not permission then to be lawless. And so uh, we see over later in chapters, you know, when we jump into chapter three, four and five, how he really deals with this issue. And so the way this applies for us today is that Paul points out the problem. What he's saying basically is you're, you, what you Judaizers are doing, you're playing a game. And the game you're playing is a zero-sum game. And what you're trying to do is say, is there a morality? And I want to be judged solely on my morality is what justifies me. So I want to play a religious game, all right? Okay. Now, it doesn't matter what side you choose, Paul is kind of saying. He says, it doesn't matter what side you end up choosing when you play that game, you still lose because you're playing the game. He says, what you're trying to do is use morality, which is a form of religion, to self-justify. Say, well, since I know the rules, I follow the rules, I have to be justified. And what Paul's saying is that that ultimately is a game that fails because it doesn't work the only way we can be justified is through the blood of jesus christ which is given to us as an act of grace so you can't force god to justify you and so paul's saying by the nature that you're playing the game you're going to lose and i think what we're doing we're seeing today is that in the political conflict that we have right now is the scriptures really clear that things are going to get worse before jesus returns we do know that now throughout the centuries people thought the return of jesus was imminent because things were really really bad i mean think of people living through world war ii in western europe or people you know that lived through the cultural revolution in china you right. know, it's like, oh my goodness, God, Jesus has to come back because the persecution here is so bad and so severe, but Christ didn't come. Uh, the second thing we should point out is all of the core values that allow Christians to remain salt and light in this world are being undermined by the social influences manifesting in the political fight. And the reason why is because a section of society, not everybody, and it's really important to understand this, not everybody sees these uh, 
uh, not everybody, but a portion of our society sees the values that Christians hold to um, as a threat to accomplishing their agenda. And this is Marxist in its origin. You know, Karl Marx had a very dim view of faith. So the reason why a certain section of our society sees uh, Christianity as, and the values that Christians hold as a threat to their agenda is because this is what Marxist taught taught that religion was an opioid of the masses. Consequently, you have to undermine this faith. You have to undermine belief in God in order to mold and shape the values of the new uh, proletariat was kind of his perspective. And so I think that there is a small group of people, and I want to reiterate this again, it's not, you know, all Americans or even general Americans, and it's not, you know, Democrats or Republican Americans, but it is a small group of people predominantly in our universities uh, who see uh, culturally the need to completely secularize America, which means uh, they want to see America free from religion and faith because they believe that that will help them achieve their societal agenda. Okay. So is this just a political issue or is it a societal issue? Well, the political conflict we see right now going on, of course, is kind of this, the the boxing arena. You know, you put two pugilists in there and they duke it out they slug it out yep they're slugging it out and they use whatever means they can that's the nature of politics i suppose but what really is happening is and this is why it's important to uh be salt and light uh in that regard uh that's why it's important i feel my role is not to tell people who to vote for my goal is to help each and every person who listens to this podcast to think for themselves and understand their values in light of who they are in Christ Jesus so that they then can make better decisions and they're not manipulated emotionally. You know, it's like, okay, one side gets up and you go, boy, those people are doing this and it drives me crazy. I just can't stand them, throw them out of office. And so you, you vote them out of office. Well, just remember when you vote against something, you're voting for something. Right. And, in politics today, the goal is to just make people emotionally angry about something because anger is a much greater motivator to get people to vote than positivity and hope and, and uh, American duty. Yeah, and so so consequently, um, what I want to do is I want people to really be able to realize, okay, I need to think critically. And then I need to influence the people around me to think critically, because uh, if we're just going to play the, the political game, it's really easy because politicians tend to do things that, you know, they can annoy everybody and they make, you know, they, they tend to make bad decisions. They tend to make power plays. And so uh, they all tend to be hypocritical in the way they approach their their offices. Consequently, 
regardless of what side you're on, it's easy to paint a very negative narrative of a politician. And some politicians play into this, others don't, which um, to their credit, I think that's good that they don't play into that. But I think what we see right now is, is just a political brawl between two extremely immature groups of people. You know, I think President Trump is pretty, I mean, obviously, he, he on an emotional level, he's immature in what he was doing. I think Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are very immature. I don't think any of these people are really interested in doing what's best for the country. I think what they're doing is just interested in, in you know, scoring more power. You know, land, yeah, they want to land more punches on their enemy because they think. And so how do we as Christians navigate that is we have to have a higher compass. We have to have a higher true north. And we have to be able to not be manipulated emotionally one direction or the other. We need mature to maturely look at, well, in the end, what's best for society? What's best for America? And let's let's be followers of Christ first, committed to the gospel first. And based on that reality, then try to influence outward from there. Well, and I think it's important, too. I like that you talked about... Um the point of this podcast is not to tell you what to think, but just how to think basically it's, it's yeah. not about, it's just cause it's so easy, especially with social media and the way the media is playing things. And then the politicians is they want to funnel their narrative to you through their various outlets. And you only hear one side or you only hear the way they want you to think. And the, the podcast is really challenging. Even me being on the podcast with you is challenging me to think outside the box and go, okay, well, I should be really dissecting what they're trying to do. And, you know, despite party lines, both sides are playing the game and we need to not be wrapped up in their game. We need to just be outward and analyze what they're doing and really try to find what's going to be best for the country and not think about it as, well, I'm just going to vote for every single person on my party line, no matter what they do, because they have to be better than the alternative. It's okay. What are their, what are they doing? What are their values? How have they voted? Like really thinking about it rather than just taking the, the fire hydrant of narrative that they, everyone's spewing out and blindly following that. That's not the thing we should be following. Yeah. We should be following our compass in the gospel. And, and what my hope is, is in discussing these issues, that people go, well, what's your goal? I mean, what's your mission? What are you really trying to do with the Salty Pastor? And that is, in postmodernism, the goal is to frame a narrative. And if you frame a narrative, then that narrative can become reality. And people say that perception is reality. And so... I think it's really important to understand that Gramsci, he was Italian philosopher and he was a postmodernist. And his contribution to all of this was what he called a cultural hegemony. And what that basically meant was we're, we want to create a narrative where we can cancel anybody out there who has a differing opinion. And, and so that's why you're seeing such strange behavior, even among corporations today, regarding uh, idea and free speech and these types of things. 
What I want to do is I want people to see how narratives manipulate us emotionally. Right. right? And then when we're manipulated emotionally, we tend to make emotionally based decisions. And then that's where regret comes from. So the main thing that I have as my agenda here is that when you're emotionally manipulated and you make a decision, you end up regretting that decision later in life. And the pain of regret is something you carry with you forever until you really dig into it and allow Jesus to heal it and redeem it. Mm. So that, that's what I'm trying to do here is talk about these issues and in a way that helps you understand at a deeper level how Satan uses these tools in postmodernism and narrative building and emotional manipulation. These are tools of Satan that he's used from the dawn of time. I mean, if you go back and you look at the dialogue between Adam, Eve, and the serpent, you see very early on he's trying to create a narrative you know yeah. it's like oh well did god really say that and is god afraid of you knowing something right you know and you see how he's creating a narrative and they were manipulated emotionally now that doesn't release us even even if we're manipulated by a narrative you're still making your own choices <laughs> you're making a choice and you're still responsible for the choice that you make well and, so, and that's really important to understand in our discussion it feels almost like the you know the american people specifically are kind of in this like toxic relationship with media and politicians where they're just like oh no you know we're doing what's best for you and they're manipulating our or they're manipulating our emotions into doing what's good for them and when they do us wrong or or they hurt us in some ways it's oh no come back it'll never happen again we're we're turning a corner like it's it's very like that kind of a feeling of like they're just creating all these you know it'll be worse if you're not with me you know these kind of things where they're just kind of constantly trying to keep us there even though they're constantly the ones hurting or changing or modifying slowly but surely through these things and then you know you get 50 years into it and you're like how did this even happen how did where am i at why did i do all of these things so it's like i think it's just it's it's a very bad way of interacting with them we need to we need to not play their game anymore we need to get out of that so well and i i think that's you know, I think that's really important to understand as a step towards maturity in our faith is that it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and following, uh, Paul says that, you know, we are in a battle against the rulers and principalities of this present darkness. Mm -hmm. And he talks about the methods of the evil one. And these methods come the word method comes from the greek word methodia which meaning it's a very methodical intentional well strategized plan and and so postmodernism a cultural hegemony all of these things are tools of satan and 
when Satan has a tool, you need to realize biblically there's always a defense, number one, and there's always a counter-strike, number two. And it always revolves around, number one, do I know what the real truth is? And that's why we want to pick the gospel as our ultimate reality. Right. And then the second aspect is what truth should be spoken to counter these narratives that end up building division like case in point and that is is that uh we have some friends and we have some friends that are, are church planting and they they got involved in their you know they want to do something to make a difference in their community and they they wanted when this came up they they're from a state they're not from idaho that is it is a, a really strong blue state. And so the sensibilities there, people really jumped on the bandwagon and they were, they were uh, uh, communicating with me or communicating with us about this idea of Christians need to be more than just working towards ethnic reconciliation. Christians need to be anti-racist. I was like, well, I'm not sure what that means. Could you describe that? And so then the definition became, uh, and it started to sound very familiar to this critical race theory ideology. And so I was like, okay, first and foremost, I'm so happy that you're as passionate about ethnic reconciliation that I am, because as a pastor, I've been working for this for 35 years. Right. And I've been going out of my way to try to bring reconciliation. Uh, even here in uh, Boise, Idaho, uh, there's a church downtown called St. Paul's Baptist Church. It's a black church down there. And uh, a they, they've had a number of pastors over the years, but very early on, one of the pastors there, I'd invite him out and he came out and spoke at, at Foothills. This was quite a while ago. And then he had to go out of town. So he asked me to go down and speak at his church. And I was down there. We're trying to do these things to uh, uh, create as much brotherhood and sisterhood that we can. Right. And so whenever we see specific <clears throat> cases of, of racism or policies that, uh, treat people differently based on their ethnicity these things are wrong and we always speak out against those and work to rectify them uh however we also speak against critical race theory and the reason why is because all it does is view people on the basis of their ethnicity right and and so that's not so in any way shape or form those things whether regardless of what side it's on is wrong and and that's why having this ultimate reality of the gospel of jesus christ is so important is because it helps us realize that god is doing his thing he's expanding his kingdom and wherever his kingdom goes i mean you can look at this historically and societally wherever his kingdom is goes and wherever his kingdom is a primary influence on society what you will find is you will find the least impoverished societies you will find the most diverse and unified societies you'll find the most just society you'll find the most free society 
the most educated, the healthiest. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. So the best thing that we can do is grow the kingdom of God and propagate the ultimate reality through which we view everything else, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, that is it for today. Um, we encourage you guys to join us on Sunday. Um, we'll we'll kind of dive a little bit more into what we've been talking about in the second half of the second chapter of Galatians um, and, and talk more about this, you know, really finding someone who will... Uh, tell you what you don't want to hear in a loving way, but what you don't want to hear is usually the thing you need to work on the most. So um, we're going to talk more about that. Uh, please join us for our either a 9.30 or 11 o'clock service, and we will see you next week here on The Salty Pastor. All right. God bless you all. Happy New Year and blessings. <laughs>